Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Make Talk Star Wars. I'm your host, Lee. I'm here. I am joined by my co-host, Spencer. Spencer, say hey to people. Hey, everybody. Spencer, we are doing a two-man pod today. We're back to the tag team. If you enjoyed the three-man weave we did last week, our friend Jamie came aboard. We did a three-person pod. We will do that again before this season is over, before the end of Episode 7 of Book of Boba Fett. We will do that again. But this week, it is just Spencer and I. We are back to the basics. Spencer, back to basics. Mm-hmm. To our roots. You think we can do it? Do you think we still have it? No, no. We're doomed to failure. We transitioned to something else. We can never go back. You and I could literally do a podcast asleep i think i mean at this point yeah we almost do and you know the funny part is that i think we do podcast to our friends when we're all hanging out like you and i just start doing the pod (laughs) so i think we can do it all the time we have not spoken one lick one Mm. little teeny Mm. bit not even exchanged one gif one nothing about this episode i've got my guesses on where you might land spencer what did you think of chapter three well i'm going to criticize you for saying gif but we'll come back to that in a minute as for the episode gif gif this, I thought this was a disappointing episode of television, man. I thought this was... Ah! I, I know. I, I, I thought this was our worst episode we've had yet for the Book of Boba Fett. I don't think that's necessarily too much of a contentious point, but we'll see. But the episode itself, I thought it wasted certain characters and plot lines. I thought it introduced new characters to fill those gaps that look like they're going to be lackluster at best. And I thought it was kind of a mix of inconsistent plotting and pretty relatively poor mixed bag progression. And like coming off the last episode, which had the most you know, entertaining, exciting action moments in Star Wars in a long time. The equivalent action scene this episode was almost mock-worthy. So, yeah, this one's going to rank pretty low for me. Okay, so a couple things. One, I'm going to I'm going to disparage you personally. As you do. Um, but the second thing, I'm going to tentatively agree with you. Oh! It, is, it was my it was my least favorite episode of the Book of Boba Fett so far. I would place, you know, if you lumping these in with Mandalorian episodes, which I tend to do, my wife always kills me because I'm always like, hey, it's Wednesday. Let's, let's watch Mandalorian. And she's like, it's Book of Boba Fett. I'm like, yeah, but. Is it though? Um, yeah, it feels the same to me. I'd put it in the lower half of those episodes. Certainly not near Frog Lady. It's not that <laughs> bad. You hated that episode so much. It's nothing happened. It was boring. So, um, but I will say this. I, here's where my I think my frustration comes. And you are going to be a conduit to the internet. So just you know I'm here. deal with it is that the, what you just said there where you said it's not like last last episode we had this sort of height of action and now this episode is what's worse what i what i tend to get from star wars fans is a lot of like when something is not good let's say episode nine or episode nine right mm. um they say well it doesn't reach the heights of whatever but when that thing came out they weren't super excited right so like i never get any excitement <laughs> It's just always criticism. It's like, that's not good. And then, oh my God, that's not as good as the last. But all that being said about the jaded nature of Star Wars fandom and you being a jaded person that you are. I represent that. um, uh, People are going to listen to this. They're going to be, what's going to make me laugh is like the first person who's ever listened to our pods is going to listen to this. God, that guy Lee is mean. (laughs) (laughs) God, he really hates that guy. True. 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 (laughs) I cry at night. Uh, but no, I'm, I mean, I'm using, obviously, I, and I, I said that, right? I'm using you as sort of a caricature of Star Wars fans. It's not necessarily you. But, like, I do get that sometimes where it's like, man, this really doesn't live up to the heights of other, other Mandalorian episodes. And it's like, well, during those episodes, I didn't see people, like, cheering in the streets saying this was really great. There was criticism then, too. So sure. that can frustrate me sometimes. And that that what that does to me as a Star Wars fan is makes me want to push back on all the criticism. It makes me want to say all of it is good. You double down and I'm really going to do everything I can this episode to not do that, right? Because 
this wasn't as strong. And I need to recognize that even though I get upset with the criticism of Star Wars, and I love to live in the fandom and be happy that we have new Star Wars content, we're doing a podcast, we owe it to the listeners, it really wasn't as strong. So I think I agree with you. And, and there are, and it's not to say that there weren't some highlight moments. There were some almost cheer sure. moments happening in the middle of this episode at certain times. It's just, we know they can do better. And it's, there seem to be some unforced errors when it come to, comes to this episode that they can correct going forward, at least de-emphasize going forward. But let's talk about it in the moment first. Absolutely. We will do just that. If you're just joining us for the first time here on Mangum Talk Star Wars, I promise I don't start out every podcast by disparaging my co-host. Only this one. Most. We go most. into our segments. Our segments are as follows. I, Lee, re lead the recap. I will do a detailed recap of the episode. Try to follow the dialogue as close as we can. Then we'll go to our segments. Our segments start with best line of the episode. Spencer, we're starting to get into good best line territory. Episode one and two, for chapter one and two of this, no I was like, why are we even doing best line? Like, But we're to a point now, I think best line, it, it matters. And then we get to my favorite segment of the week, which is nostalgic moment of the episode, which is where Spencer and I, two lifelong Star Wars fans, talk about what little thing can we pull out that made us the most nostalgic for the Star Wars fandom. And there's a lot of stuff. Any John Favreau vehicle I'm figuring out, mm -hmm. we're going to have a nostalgic moment of the episode. Um, absolutely. Uh, and then is that it for our segments? I think that's it, right? I think we also do, and I'm going to be curious to see what you have to say this time around. Oh, that's right, yeah. The, gla the gladiatorial thumb was, how did this episode compare to what you expect as the golden standard of Mandalorian? Did it meet the? Did it meet what you would expect out of Mandalorian's quality? Did it exceed it, or did it disappoint you utterly? Absolutely, Spencer nailed it. Uh, we just we get we we descend down into the gladiatorial pit, our robes on, our crown atop our head, and we. <laughs> Thumb up, thumb down, thumb sideways. Does this live up to Mandalorian? Okay, I think with that, we can jump into our recap before we do so. A little housekeeping. This is a Mangum Talks podcast. If you are enjoying this podcast and you like listening to Spencer and I talk, and you like especially listening to us talk about media, television, movies, that sort of thing, you can go to MangumTalks.com to get all of our stuff. And we also have a number of other pods. So whatever podcast player you are using, just type in Mangum Talks. Those are the keywords, M-A-N-G-U-M Talks, and all of our stuff will magically pop up. That's right, metadata. I've tagged it. It will all pop up and you will get our stuff. And, um, you know, we've reviewed a lot of really good, solid television. We've done Ted Lasso, The Nevers. We've done Succession recently. Uh, so yeah, uh, check out our stuff if you are enjoying this podcast. But the issue du jour, it is Boba Fett, Chapter 3, Streets of Mos Espa. Let's jump into the recap. Uh, on the previously on, we got a lot of Rancor and a lot of Mayor. So Look at that. I thought Rancor would come up again, and it certainly did. So we start with a shot of Tatooine. Potential nostalgic moment of the episode. Right away, three seconds in, we get a Bomar Monk. Woo! Happy now? Ah, I love Bomar Monks. They are they're absolutely fascinating to me. I don't know why, when I was a kid, I thought... I don't think I've ever talked to you about Bomar Monks before. No, please go on. Uh, so the Bomar Monks, if you don't know, in the Star Wars universe are monks that lived in the sands of Tatooine who decided in order to elevate and descend into a higher plane of existence, they were going to just basically pinky in the brain this thing. They were just going to take their brain out, put it in the little jug that you saw on screen and connect it to the spider legs, walk around the desert doing nothing but meditating for the rest of eternity. That is the Bomar Monk plan. It's a very unique and creepy idea to throw into the Star Wars universe. I mean, it's above self-immolation. Uh, yeah, okay. For monk, yes. for monk behavior. 
Um, but it's not it's not the highest. It's certainly not uh, because I always found this really sort of stupid. But I could wrap my mind around it when I was a kid. Like, and I remember telling my mom, like, "No, mom, you could really do that. You could put your brain in a joke." Like, I I don't know. Like, I just thought, yeah. <laughs> so there you go, Bomar Monk's potential line of the ep- uh, uh, nostalgic moment of the episode for moi. Then we get eighty eight giving Boba Fett a briefing. He refers to Jabba as the name that shall not be spoken. A little Voldemort vibe. Just a bit, yeah. A little uh, Voldemort vibe. He, uh, Voldemort actually, uh, and, and for those uh, who who know, that's a Harry Potter reference. Voldemort, of course, comes back, kills every single person in the last book of Harry Potter, and then Voldemort just won. Wasn't that cool that Voldemort just won? I will maybe someday find out if you're lying or not. Maybe. We'll find out. I will get there. For right now... We're finally getting the information that we wanted about certain <laughs> aspects of how the gang illegal organization division works when it comes to the surface of Tatooine. Or at least how it's worked in recent years since the fall of Jabba, who was just running this place. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're keeping track at home, that is Spencer being tired. He wants to get into the recap. Like, get going, Terry. Um, all right, yeah. So basically, he's saying, look, here's the deal. Um, when, Boba, when, when Jabba fell and... Uh, uh, Bib Fortuna took over. Mm-hmm. He held a he, he didn't have the sh- the muscle to take everything to control everything the way the Jabba did. So yeah. he loosely held things together by empowering families in certain parts of the city. So I've got these written out here. We've got the Trandoshans in the city center that would map with what we saw right when we went to the city center. I was talking about man, there's a lot of Trandoshans there. The Aqualish are in mm-hmm. the workers district. If you don't know what Aqualish characters are, I just Google it. They're, they're very known in the Star Wars universe. And then the Kaltunians Caltoon, had the starport and upper sprawl. So they had two sections. Uh, mm-hmm. So there you go. That's how the four sections of Mosespa are broken up. He explains that Bib did not, um, because Bib did not have the power of Jabba, he, quote, relied on uneasy alliances to keep his tribune and titles. Um. And this kind of this kind of tracks with what we saw of Bib Fortuna, right? Because Boba was able to walk in there, two people, and just kill him. Like, so he really did not rule by muscle at all. Like, no. not even a little bit. It very much looked like he was just living easy. He was accepting certain little handouts and was just kind of idling his time away. Certainly gained a fair amount of weight in the process too. And apparently, and this is somewhat new information to us, he was kind of doing so at the you know the pleasure of the mayor. He was having to pay off the mayor to make it work. Yeah, I think that what happened here is that Boba Fett is operating as I'm the daimyo and the daimyo has a relationship with the mayor that Jabba had to the mayor. Mm-hmm. When in re- but what the mayor is treating Boba as is the same relationship the mayor had with Bib Fortuna, which was basically you you pay me, which is exactly what the mayor expected Boba to do when mm-hmm. when Boba was accepting tribute in the first episode, right? So Boba asks uh, where that leaves them. AD8 says, quote, everyone is waiting to see what kind of leader you are. That potential line of the episode. Boba asks about the assassins. Fennec says the mayor has no real power. Not, Do not think that's true. Think she's awful on that. And therefore, it might have been the huts. She asks Boba if she should ask around. Boba very smartly says, if you do that, are they going to know? And she's like, yeah. And he goes, okay, well, then let's hold off on that. Let's Let's not... Yeah, let's not tip our hand that we're too super concerned about them right now. Mm-hmm. AD8 announces they have a visitor, a vassal, and he doesn't have an appointment. Boba, not like haircuts in 2022. You <laughs> can go in. Haircuts. I'm so pissed that you can't just walk into haircuts anymore. You By can. Way, folks, 
You can't. I, not around here. I, you, I don't know what you get luxury mean establishment you go into to get your hair cut. You can walk into a place and get a haircut still. You get mean looks around here. You can, however, go into Boba's palace without an appointment because he, without hesitation, says, says send the guy in. So a guy comes in. He explains that people no, are disrespecting you, sir. Not just people, any guy. This is, this is the actor Stephen Root, who is now appearing on several of our different shows that we're watching. Yeah, uh, we, we've seen him before. You are being disrespected, sir. I'm just here to tell you. His name is Lortha Peel, I believe is what it says his name is. Yeah. Watermonger. Quote, with apologies, no one respects you. Spencer, if I said that to you and you were ruling in a palace, you'd hit me in the mouth, right? That's a hell of a way to start. I haven't punched you yet. You say that to me all the time, but I'll accept what your point is. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. I, I felt like he came in a little hot. Finnick did too. Um... And so did 8D8, but Boba told him, just keep going, keep, keep, keep rolling. And he said, I am insulted on your behalf. Let me help you here, please. For the disrespect these merchants are showing you in light of, well, you know, the assassination attempt. Dum, dum, dum. Mm -hmm. And also, I, I, they have stolen my red stapler. I don't know where my red stapler is. <laughs> Can you please, Lord Boba, get me my red stapler back? Or I will burn this motherfucker down. You have to understand, on Tatooine, red stapler refers to large amounts of water supplies. It's a direct translation. It goes from the, it goes from the original Tuscan language. It's very confusing. <laughs> my stapler? My, my, my stapler? In He's essence, a great actor. He's been in so many things. Uh, like, I paused... Like, I wanted to get the red stapler joke in, so I didn't want to talk about the actor too much. But I, I paused it as it came on and, like, took a picture of the actor and sent it to my wife and said, oh, man, we get this guy. Like, that's how excited I was for this actor. I think he's so good. Um, in essence, this guy is trying to frame his problem as Boba's problem. Yeah. Like, hey, when they... Look, I'm your vassal. I'm just an extension of you, good sir. And when they disrespect me, they disrespect you. I'm just here to tell you that. And he explains it, a street gang of youths. Oh, Spencer, who hasn't come across a rowdy street gang of youths in our time? My God, they're everywhere. Particularly in science fiction settings. It seems like they just had to grow out of the street corners. And I am insulted on your behalf. Basically, the, what he's saying is his street gang of youths are stealing from him, stealing water from him. Boba specifically asks if his business is water. I don't know if you caught that. Mm -hmm. He says, your business is water? That's important because I think Boba's got a little Bernie Sanders in him. I don't think that he views water like he does every other, like, like if he would, this guy was like sure. selling spite, he was selling like spice or something. I think he would have treated this, this situation very differently. But I think Boba recognizes um, the billionaires and the billionaires and the one percenters are <laughs> like keeping the fucking water away from, like water is something they have to have to live and i think he's just like we're we're on record here in the first two chapters as saying like you think he's not leading particularly effectively you've got some criticisms i like the more like down-to-earth human compassionate way that he's ruling and i like that he treats water as something differently where he's like hey dude if you're going to sell something that people have to have to live you're not going to fucking price gouge them not on my watch I actually appreciated that. It, it's, a, it's a rough sell on Tatooine, though. This is a desert planet. Water is in rare supply, despite several characters pointing out that this used to be a water planet. It makes sense that these guys would be very powerful and wealthy because they are selling the single most valuable commodity on a planet that has very little of it to offer. Yeah, I mean, I, I so I agree, right? Uh, but you could make the comp, you could make a, a like a comp to maybe like oil um in our society like you we all pretty much need gasoline in order to like exist in our commerce like mm -hmm. 
And the government does make, try to make sure that that price for that doesn't get too well, high. So I, I appreciate that Boba's doing this. And when OPEC works for you, it gives you a lot of power. So you maybe want to make OPEC happy, to use this metaphor further. Boba decides to go a bit of a different path with this. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, sure. Um, so Lortha says, yes, um, I broker um, on behalf of the vapor farmers. And so basically he doesn't farm. He's just like the vapor farmers give him the water, then he sells it. Boba, yeah, Boba says he grew up surrounded by water. We know that's true. Mm -hmm. uh, Boba Fett, of course, grew up on Camino. Uh, Lortha goes into explaining that Tatooine used to have a lot of water. Oh, it's a very good story. Boba cuts it right off, which I thought was really funny. And <laughs> no even more funny, almost like almost like fourth wall breaking, right? Because like we don't really know the full history of Tatooine in this canon. It had been nice if he could have talked a little bit longer for all of us nerds, but no, he just got cut off. Fine. And let's briefly discuss part of the plot of Knights of the Old Republic. No, wait, okay, maybe later. Boba cuts him off, asks about the street gangs, and Lortha explains that they are half-man, half-droid. They modify their bodies with droid parts. He says this with dripping disgust. Mm -hmm. Finnick is right there. Yeah. Finnick yeah. literally has, like, a droid belly. Like, uh, so, yeah, pretty funny. Um, so, this guy really steps in it with his sort of, like... Basically, like it seems like a little bit of like weird, I don't know if you can call it racism, but de definitely prejudice against people who have droid parts. Um, so there's a lesson in that, right? Like, don't shoot off at the mouth about a particular kind of people. One of them might be right in front of you. Lortha asks Boba to rid the streets of this scourge. And if you do, I will double my tribute. Boop, smash cut to the streets of Mos Espa. Anything about Red Stapler guy that you'd like to talk about? Uh, I mean, he, as you said, he's trying to use a certain degree of theater when it comes to presenting who these guys are. And he, going over the top with Boba Fett and Fennec is not really the best idea about this. Neither of them are going to respond well. Just straight up sell your case. I got some kids. They're robbing me. I, I pay you for my protection. Please protect me. That's all we really needed to say here. And you probably would have come off better rather than overselling it, giving more detail than was honestly necessary. I honestly think that people in Mos Espa are slotting Boba in with Bib Fortuna. And I think with they, yeah. they're treating him the way they would have treated Bib Fortuna. And Bib Fortuna, this probably would have really worked well. Like this this whole like grandiose, pompous, oh my gosh, I'm offended on your behalf, good sir, as I kiss your feet. I'm sure Bib Fortuna loved that crap. So, yeah, you're right. It just shows they just don't know who they're dealing with yet. He's not wrong, though, that if some just random gang can whiff out any degree of repercussions mess with Boba Fett's people, with his vassals, with his, you know, pe people that are paying him protection money, with, and that just goes unanswered, that is a serious slight to Boba Fett's power, and no one else is going to join his empire. No one else is going to, you know, pay him vassal money if he can't kind of offer that kind of protection. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, look, people first. Like, but this is the Boba, like, you're not going to like it, Spencer. You're, you are Logan Roy, you are imperialist, you like the emperor. <laughs> You want to you want to crush the people. I'm telling you, he's not going to rule this way. Like the 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 value in what he's doing is yes. If you disrespect one of my vassals and you steal from them, I will care about it. He does care. He goes and he investigates. Yeah, I'll give you it. a but job. He, but if he but if he figures out that his vassals are being improper in some way, and he thinks gouging people for a life sustaining source is improper. Then he will treat it accordingly. So look, hey, look, Boba's got my vote. He doesn't have yours, but he's got mine. Let's let's um, go through it, and we'll assess this once we get the whole information. They pass some Jawas. Love that Jawas just exist in the corners of this universe. More Jawas for me always. 
Um, they noticed some folks warming their hands by a fire. Not a good sign in a city when people are cold, need to warm their hands by a fire at night. Um, it's typically, yes, it's a cold. I, I recognize that, but it shows that they may not have a place to go. So it might sure. show some level of poverty in the city. Um, the conversation right beforehand, which is actually hard to catch without subtitles, is... Did you catch this? Were you watching it with subtitles? I, I just I purely got it from the script. I could not actually hear them at the time. Yeah, so the youths are talking to each other. And in its essence, what they're saying is like, yeah, I, yeah, I know, like, but I'm not going to pay that. That's bullshit. Like, so they're basically complaining about the price of water and kind of going over what has recently occurred and but from what we can tell is that this watermonger source of water for the crowd has jacked up the price of water or it was always high and the kids can't afford it so they stole it so boba asked where they got the water we stole it Boba said well that's a crime he said what's a crime what he charges look old man my name is boba fett we know who you are go back to your palace what this girl disrespect. is whoo disrespect this, th- the head girl of this biker gang has a tongue, boy. She, she does. She's lucky she came across Boba. Uh, Boba tells her to watch her tongue. Uh, he is the daimyo, and he will bring order. She says, well, you know, you're just a crime boss, just like the rest of them. A guy steps up. He's a guy with a modified eye, a uh, little droid eye. Yeah, these are very cyberpunky kind of gang here. They've got a lot of various body attachments from a different kind of universe, really. He asks, if you were a daimyo, you would let the... Why'd you let the, if you're the daimyo, why'd you let the monger charge us a month's wages for a week's worth of water? Because I'm getting a cut. I'm an illegal crime lord. This is what I do. She says, uh, not that we have any wages, but was like, well, what the fuck? You live in the workers district. Go work. She's like, there's no work, mighty daimyo. Look around. Uh, which is why I, that line is why I pointed out before that people are warming their hands by their fire outside in the cold. Like there may not, there may be a poverty problem in this area. Sure. Boba says, walks up to her very tense moment. This is where Spencer wished he would have gone them all down and killed them. Uh, he takes his helmet off and he says, then you will work for me. You got guts. I'll give you that. You better fight as good as you talk. So let's address it. Go ahead with your criticism of how Boba well, as no, a no, leader no. handled let, the situation. Let, let, let... Please, let's finish Lortha Peel running up, because that's an important aspect. Okay, of this all right. Lortha storms out, says, you can't do that. They stole from me. What are you doing? My red stapler, my stapler. And yeah. he says, they they can't, get, they can't get off this easy. Boba says, well, how much did they owe you? And Lortha says, 1,300 credits. And Boba says, huh? say what? 1,300 credits. Clearly taken aback by the price of this. He says, yeah, that's what it was. And he goes, and he gives him 500 credits. It's going give him 500 credits. Tells him to shut up and take it. And, oh, yeah, lower your price. Quote, um, if you don't like it, you can move to Mos Eisley, mm-hmm. which is the capital of Tatooine, or, and cut your prices. So he's basically saying, look, I'm going to pay off their debt, and it's going to be what I think is a standard reasonable price for water. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, um, I will protect you going forward, but only if you kind of play by the rules. If you charge a price that is somewhat reasonable uh, so you don't contribute to the poverty problem and the stealing problem and all that crap that we've got going on around here in Mos Espo. Spencer? I give you the floor. Okay, I've got a few issues with this. I actually don't mind his long-term strategy here in terms of building a groundswell of support among the average people. That can be a, a very effective strategy, and it's a nice thing to do. The problem is, he doesn't have many vassals to work with, and you just alienated one of the few loyal ones you have. He's been paying you reliably, offered to double his rates in exchange for you fixing this problem for him, and instead, you don't punish or do anything really to deal with the people that actually have been messing with him. You basically just let them keep what they stole, and you yourself pay a fraction of it. 
Two, you undercut him and basically uh, cut, cut into the profits that he's paying you a percentage of, presumably as part of his vassal rights. And three, you alienate him. Why would you know people come to you to look for protection under these kind of circumstances if you're going to undercut them that way? If you're going to you know let their stuff be stolen, not to be repercussions, pay them a pittance for it compared to the, presumably the rates on the market, and three, require them going forward to undercut their own business profits. You're sending a negative message for what's actually the base of your empire. The common people are not the base of a criminal empire. Revenue is, and it's something that he's been struggling with from the get-go. He also is just accepting these people right away sight unseen he has no idea of their loyalty he has no idea what they whether they can fight or be any way useful to him instead he's paying off a colossal debt and bringing in people that have presumably been a problem for other people in the community without any degree of vetting i understand his motivations i disagree with how he's going about them yeah i just think that what you what you what it sounds like you want him to be he's never going to be like he doesn't want to be this like top down like let's worry about the money the revenue like it's okay to price gouge people on something they have to have to fucking live like he he's never gonna live and it, and it may result in him getting killed but that's like not the guy he is and and i think that the flashbacks to the tuscans are a really important part of that right it shows that like boba connects with people First who do the, the work do the work what? Yeah, the worker, the warriors, the the people who have tangible <laughs> skills. Like these are the people he connects with. This fucking asshole who is nothing but a middleman for water and is price gouging people in the process. He has no, nothing for this guy, and so that may that, that may result in him just going belly up and and being defeated or whatever. And in, in, in this role, it may mean he's unsuccessful as a quote crime boss or daimyo, but. That what we're getting from this version of Boba Fett, I don't think he's ever going to connect with Red Stapler guy. Another concern here too is this guy is a well-known history that if you actually you know pass the last straw when it comes to him, he just burns your place down. So that's a serious threat that Boba Fett I don't think is taking into account. Yeah, there will be a fire somewhere in Los Espa. Then we get the credits. What like this is such a long cold opening? It was Good Lord nine minutes and six seconds. It's a third of the episode. It was kind of a like I I don't even know why you throw the credits in here at this point. You should have done it way before. Cut back to a shot of Jabba's palace and a lizard eats something. Uh, more lizard lizard work in the desert, which you you pointed out in the last episode. Getting a lot of lizards in Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Cut to Boba in the back to tank. We see visions of Camino and Slave Wood leaving and Boba watching his dad leave. He certainly did grow up surrounded by water. Spencer, does Camino look like a place you'd like to live and visit? Like that sort of like just living in these big city center pods on a thing of water? No. Visit, yes. Live there, no. It feels like it's just one giant storm away from everything getting blown over. It doesn't seem like a great place to live. I I, I don't think I'd want to live in Camino either. Um, Cut to a flashback slash memory of Boba Lee getting on a banta. And he's about to leave a single banta. And the Tuscans are all looking at him. They sort of bid them goodbye. And I got serious, like, oh, God, he's never going to yeah. see him again. Vibe. Well, or he just will be disconnected from them in some way. I didn't know that they were going to die right away. But I was like, he, this is the last time he sees these people. I, Great. I, sh- Go ahead. I, moment I saw this, I, I kind of decided and went, so they're going that route. They need to They need to get him away from the Tuscan plot line. They need to get him to do something else and integrate him back into where we saw Mandalorian. They're going to kill off all the Tuscans. Moment yeah. that long lingering glance as he rides off into the dunes. It's like they're going this route. Well-tread ground with this breakfast plot line. 
Did you think that the scene was a little heavy handed in that? I thought it was a little heavy into that guard. I thought it I, I thought it was still appropriately dramatic and I liked the music of him riding the Bantha across the Dune Sea. That was some good cinematography. But it I, in my mind it was just flashing warning signs saying, dying mentor inspirational characters here. Great shot of Boba traveling in the multiple suns of Tatooine. Potential nostalgic moment of the episode. We got that shot a lot with Luke out in the desert. Mm. Boba gets to a city center or at least some sort of settlement. We don't quite know what it is yet. We find out later. And he sees some Jawas and asks where the Pikes do their business in Mos Eisley. So there you go. He's close to the, the capital of Tatooine. He walks through the streets. He sees some stormtrooper heads on spikes. Spencer, do you want to complain about this? Uh, we've previously seen those in Mandalorian as being part of the uh, decorations of the Moss Eisley cityscape, uh, suggesting that, you know, in the months, that months, possibly years, that Boba Fett's been off the Tuscan people, the Imperial garrison has been fully overthrown in a popular uprising. Well, what we saw in canon is is when the Death Star, second Death Star fell, the Emperor, quote, died, Darth Vader died. A lot of city centers throughout the galaxy cheered, and, and Mos Eisley was one of them. And so they, presumably what occurred is they thought, oh, these people have no muscle anymore. Probably some of the stormtroopers fled, and they killed the ones that were left. That's my guess. Indeed. Uh, he ties up his bantha, gives it a snuggle. Boba likes his, I, Boba likes likes his animals. animals. Definitely Loves does. his animals. I like this guy. Uh, Boba walks in. He asks the pike leader if he received his message. Quote, this is coming from the bike leader. Protection arrangements are all a part of doing business on the outer rim. Indeed, they are. This guy's pretty smart. That is absolutely true. As much as as much as I like to be a man of the people, Spencer, um, and I have a, a warm heart toward the the, the people of uh, the workers of the world, but you don't. I do recognize you're going to have to pay for some protection in the outer rim. Uh, the Thrawn novels told me that. <laughs> Glad to see they've been inspirational for you in that regard. As we also see, though, uh, if you're going to pay protection money, you only want to pay it to one person. And if you can maybe get those people working against each other, it can kind of serve your interests going forward. I think we get a new planet here um, with the Pike planet, Obadia. We've heard of it before in the Star Wars canon, I think. Okay, I I, I hadn't. So uh, if you had, then great, great deep cut. If not, then we got something new. But either way, it's the, the home planet of the Pikes. And he basically says, look, dude, I'm not paying we me being a representative of the Pike organization here. To move our spice where we want to move it, we're not paying two people. Mm-hmm. You were asking for payment, but we're also being asked for payment from someone else. And I got to say, great point. I'm not paying two people either for protection of the same area. That's that's a good, solid point. Boba even agrees with that. We but find wait, out that the, they're the people. They're the people. They need the money for the jobs and the water. Why won't you pay all the people when you've got all the money, Lee? I don't even know. I'm not even responding to that. Like, but see, but it, it, I mean, it is like pretty preposterous. The idea that you would be asked to pay for protection. Like it's like the same people shaking down your business twice. It's like, you guys got to figure out who's the, who's actually giving me protection here. I'm only going to pay for insurance from one provider. Like I'm not, I don't need two insurance policies on my lake cabin. And is the implication the Pikes were essentially paying this other gang already? And now the Tuscans are effectively from the Pikes view muscling in on that turf. Were the Kenton Striders, which I think we can assume are the speeder bike gang that Bobo yeah. went and stole some of their speeder bikes. And uh, he says that, well, we're happy to do business with either party. You guys are going to have to work it out, but we're not going to be taken advantage of by paying both, which, again, I thought made sense. Boba thought it made sense as well. He said, I'll take care of it. And off goes Boba. The guy says, we look forward to our partnership. That felt hollow. 
Boba starts back on the Bantha, and he sees smoke in the distance, and uh, uh, oh, Spencer. Mm-hmm. The, the Tuscan tribe has been taken Sad. out. And, you know, as, as much as I don't like that Sad. they went this direction with the plot, because it's very well-tread ground, particularly in the Star Wars universe, it was an appropriately handled dramatic scene, at least here in the moment, even if I felt to get very short shift to the Tuscan people. And here I thought Anakin had died, but look, he showed up and killed all the fucking Tuscans again. I th- you know, I thought Anakin had kicked it on the Death Star, but well, man. You, here's a question for you, by the way. There are signs, including just straight up gang tags, that the rival gang took these people out. Uh, do you think they actually did? Or do you think this is the Pike Syndicate stepping in and eliminating a possible uh, person that they would have to pay and framing the other person for it? That's what. That's why I thought this angle was pretty good because you can read a couple things here, right? They, I think you have a spectrum of like complicated plot lines, right? The most basic is that Boba kicked the shit out of them and stole their speeders, and yeah. they came back and got them. Like that very well could have been the case. And that would and add if that's to his the, own guilt in terms. Of and if that's the case, exactly. If Boba is one hundred percent responsible if that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Then you have. All the way over here, and there's a sliding scale, but at the far end, you have what you just proposed, which was the Pikes came in and said, you took down my train, you're shaking me down, fuck you, I'm going to kill you and put you in war with this other local group. Um, and maybe that's what happened, right? Because we do see additional Pike muscle at the end of the episode. I'm not, I don't think we have enough to know at this point. Part of the reason I think that scenario might be the case is because it's the... In our present timeline, it's right where uh, Boba's head goes when he sees the uh, huts trying to blame the mayor or, bl- or, put, or point the finger at other people. Because even straight up says, ah, it's easier for them if they can get both factions fighting, then they could step in. If he's already seen the Pikes do that before, maybe and we see the angry as the Pikes when they seemingly show back up later, I think we're going to learn that there's some history where the Pikes played a direct role in eliminating the Tuscan people to further their own interests and get Boba on the warpath for another person they'd have to pay anyway. Which is going to work because he's going to go after these these speeder bike gang. I mean, he's obviously going to go do that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's just too straightforward that the the sign was there. They gave us the flashback of the people. Like, it's either like A to B mm-hmm. <laughs> and super simple, or it's something there's a bit of a misdirection. Um, I tend to think that it's probably the speeder bike gang, and they, it probably was as simple as, you know, they've got like six tents out there, like. They don't have a lot of people. Small group, yeah. And and all of a sudden they have their speeders. Like I mean, it, something was going to happen about stealing those speeders, and like of course it happened. Like I, I don't know. I, I tend to think that's what happened. Do you think Boba chose to ride the Bantha just for the uh, image value of you know him as representing the Tuscan people arriving on a Bantha rather than ride one of their speeder bikes just to get there faster? So. I do think that, but you have a lot of people on the internet going, well, that's an inconsistent thing. Why didn't he just ride the speeder bike? No, I'm actually fully behind the idea that, no, 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 this is an image issue. This is actually Boba briefly understanding the importance of trappings. It's like, I'm representing this culture. I will ride in in that manner and people will understand it and respect it in that way. He's not going to do a litter. You and Jamie can can beg all you want. Not doing a litter. Cut back to... Uh, well, actually, during that, we see him do a funeral pyre for the, the folks who died. And yeah. he actually puts their sticks and their their um, spears in the fire because we know that each of the gaffy sticks are individualized to the individual people, right? You don't, it, it's, like, it's their lightsaber, right? So he yes. puts that in the fire too. Boba is very distraught by this. Might be the first time we've ever seen Boba tears. Maybe. It, 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 it is emotional here. It, this is an important moment for him. This is going to be a... 
foundational moment of where he goes after. So yeah, I think it's a well-handled scene, even if I didn't like the direction they went with the plot of it. I think he was pretty upset, and I think there's a ma- there should be a massive amount of guilt associated with this, because I'm fairly certain that if those guys had just killed Boba and never brought him back to the tent and never started working with him, that this would not have occurred to them. Yeah. They would still be living just fine. Cut back to modern times and Boba tank, Boba's um, in the uh, in the in the back to tank and mm-hmm. it's opened and he is snatched out by Black Crescenton. who has Ooh. just snuck into the palace. Apparently, he's a remarkably stealthy Wookiee. Well, I mean, you know, he does get he does get paid for this type of thing. Um, well, he gets paid as a, a gladiator, not much as an assassin that we've seen previously. Um, and no, no, I mean, he, he, he was a gladiator, but then he became employed in like being a bounty hunter, I believe. Like, I mean, he, he's, he's not been a gladiator for a while. He does not scream stealthy to me. There are many ways you can go about being a bounty hunter and this does not seem to necessarily be in his wheelhouse. Though you know more about the character than I do. You're and racist. Love- You're just saying that cause he's a Wookiee. I'm saying that cause he's giant growling and doesn't show any indication that he could sneak with any degree of, of ability. I'm, I'm, it's, to, it's to me to the point Fair that I'm point. almost questioning Finnick's loyalties that she is noticeably Whoa. out of the picture when this assassin gets in there. And the assassin gets in seemingly without issue or anybody being informed. It Finnick is decidedly out of the main picture for a lot of this, and this seems to be a key moment for her just to show up at the very last second to assist. Well, that is one reading. And, you, and maybe, maybe Finnick is... A problem maybe maybe Boba's gonna take her out at some point but or maybe black chrysanthemum figured out that the only person other than boba that has any real skill here in fighting or tax stealth tactics or any of this stuff is her so let's yeah. wait till she takes a shower it's perfectly possible he just picked because that's what i would have done i would have said i need to wait till fennec takes a shower yeah. and then i'm gonna jump in Wh- there when is fennec going to see her family off planet that is the time you hit boba because though the gamorians are loyal and they will fight hard for him. Yes. She's the actual effective hitter here. Yeah. So, but the, I, I, I kind of like theory time with Spencer though, this idea of maybe we need to start talking about uh, Phoenix loyalties, but anyway, Boba starts to fight back against black chrysanthemum. I will say this about Tamora Morrison. He caught shit in season two of Mandalorian for having a little bit of a pot belly. People mm-hmm. were like, Boba doesn't have a belly. Like, they, like all those neck beards didn't have a bunch of bellies themselves. Let me say something right now. That man is in incredible shape for 62, 63. Did you see his body yeah. when he got pulled out of that tank? I, I want to know what his training Holy regime is smokes. to get ready for this season. It's nuts. This guy is in impossible shape for his age. I am wildly impressed at his at his his body and then his, his ability to move. It's clear he does oh, yeah. a lot of like actual working out, right? Anyway, he gets up, he tries to flight back Chrysanthemum. You're not, I mean, just no chance. Just no yeah, chance against this big ass Wookiee. No chance. Um, I did see a something that Black Crescenton used that I had never seen before in the Star Wars universe. The brass knuckles that have the the um, taser With magnetic on them. over it. Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? That, that um, pretty anyway. cool. It seems like it added to the fact that Boba gets not just thrown around. He looks like he gets propelled around this room as he's getting hit or, as he's getting hit up by Black Crescenton. He does absolutely. The only thing, the only real injury we see that he has is his toes are clearly broken. Oh, that um, was ugly. Yeah. Yeah, his clothes are clearly broken. Toes are clearly broken. But, you know, internet did do a lot of complaining. I'll go ahead and give the internet a, a little bit of shine here. That Boba would have broke his back in this. Like, when he held a bear hug from a Wookiee for five seconds will break a human's back. And that's tr- just true. That's yeah. just true. 
there, there, were, there were several moments in this fight scene that it seemed a little bit Marvel of where people can just get knocked across a room and there's just oh, no real repercussions oh, for it. Oh, I know, I know. I'm throwing oh, some real shade there. but oh, I'm it, on the floor. It, it, oh. it felt a little kind of Marvel fight and that there's just... This is a Wookiee. This is a towering creature that we've heard all before can just casually rip your arms off. And it's grappling with him in a way that's dramatic but doesn't seem as realistic as we would necessarily hope. I'll tell you how I would have blocked this scene. He would have pulled him out. He would have thrown him across the room. And as he was walking over to him, that's when the girl would have came in and stabbed him. Because I don't think you can take a bunch of like punishment from a Wookiee and not be completely broken. Like that's not realistic. So I kind of agree with the internet here. I I think they did a little bit. God calling it Marvel. It only hurts because it's, uh, it got some truth in it. That really hurt. Um, I wish they did a little less fighting because we know how powerful Wookiees are in the Star Wars universe. By God, it has been established since day one that they are strong. He can't take a bear hug from a Wookiee. He just can't. And particularly this character. This character fought Obi-Wan Kenobi and lived. That's the level of badass this character is. Yeah, Chris Anson's a big, big deal. He also is like a little bit dumber in this than he is in other parts of the Star Wars media. I, I guess that was convenient. But anyway... The um the one the ninety nine percent come in um and save the day <laughs> with and the weirdest collection of weapons. Someone just please give them guns. Why does he have this weird yo yo whip? I don't know. I, I I will say this about the kids though, they fight together. They got plucked. They fight hard, and they were clutch. They probably saved Boba's life. So you know this is the second time now of Boba showing grace to people supposedly under him that has saved his life it happened with the Gamorreans and it's happened now with them. So I know you don't like it, but that what they are showing us on screen is that these decisions to bring people into the fold boots on the ground are helping him in the immediate. No, and this is one of the things I fully am okay with him hiring these guys with him incorporating them in the fold. It solves a lot of problems. The particular way he went about it and the amount of shade he threw his vassal is the issue I've got. I have no issue with his long-term goals, just his means of getting there. Sure, I hear you. Um, then we get to, Chrysanthemum gets into the throne room. Finally, Finnick is done taking a shower. She runs out. She says, step back. She presses the button. Whoop, he falls right down into the Sarlacc pit, except he holds. Ran- Rancor pit. Right, yeah, yeah, Rancor pit. Uh, yeah, whew, yeah, there's a big difference. Rancor pit, empty Rancor pit that we know from the last episode. But he holds with uh, one, like four fingers. Man has some grip. That is unbelievably strong to be able to hold there. Anyway, uh, Finnick pulls out a dagger from the edge, the the butt of one of her rifles, chucks it, hits him right in the fingers, and he falls down into the empty Sarlacc or uh, empty Rancor pit. And we now have a captive. We have Black Chrysanthemum who is held captive there at the palace. And I will say that the blocking of this isn't great. It's not not the strongest fight scene we've ever seen in the Star Wars universe. But where we end up, that Black Chrysanthemum is actually held captive there is pretty funny. That that cracks me up. Like, it, that, that, <laughs> you know the Huts had to be like, motherfucker. And, and, and as Fennec points out later, holding him offers prestige. Holding him gives you reputation. Yeah. That, that's Absolutely. A, that's a powerful thing to have right there. I also, before we exit the scene, I really do sure. like that the Gamorreans, you know, they show up again. And maybe they were taking a shower too because the freaking kids get there before the Gamorreans do. Whatever. They run but, slow. Have you seen them run? It's <laughs> a lot of mass to go. But they throw <laughs> themselves in there. They fight like hell. Yeah. One of them gets pretty badly hurt. And when the fight's over, the first thing Boba says is, take him to the back to tank. The guy My carried, back to tank. 
Yeah, the guy cares for the people under his command, and it, it, that has value. And we know that he has badly, at a minimum, badly broken toes, because we saw the first, the toes ripped up. Yeah. Ugh, if you've ever broken a toe before, it's pretty painful. Ugh. And he's walking around on it, and he's still offering his back to tank to the Gamorrean first. So that shows, first off, he's not speciest, right? Like, he, he's elevating the Gamorreans to his level, because there are people, like, remember when when he went into the, the club with the Gamorreans, and the, the, the head of the club's like, yeah, we'll hose down your Gamorreans for you? Like, not everybody considers them yeah. human level the way that Boba does. So, yeah, it's a good call out there. Uh, then we see Bo. Go ahead. I will also advise the five. Is, is it five kids? I, I, I think it's five. Yeah. Yeah. I will advise them that do, when you're learning how to fight, don't use ninja movies, uh, kung fu movies, as a guide. All what? five of you can't attack somebody at the same time. That is allowed. You don't have to just do one move at a time. But again, that's mostly just the poor blocking and filmmaking when it came to this scene. Really. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of you can use your 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 weapons at the same time. I'm not surprised they didn't do a bum rush because I think they they knew someone was going to die in that if they do a bum rush. Like, they, like they, he was going to get a hold of somebody. I'm, I wouldn't participate in a bum rush to Black Chrysanthemum. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Again, guns they are your friend. If five blasters just fired fired the Wookiee, the Wookiee would have died. If anybody had to give the Gamorians a gun, they can use a gun. They'll be great. I, I agree. I, I don't have an answer for that. Then we see Boba at a feast. Looks pretty good. I think that lizard that we saw earlier is at the feast. Did you see that? It looks like it's on the table. I think I think they went out and caught it. Um, as a droid brings in more food, Boba says, that's enough food! And wants him to go out on patrol. Go out on patrol. Finnick's like, God damn, dude, you're the head of a family. You should enjoy the trappings. Her legs are kicked up. She's eating like a hunk of meat. Uh, Question for you. Yeah. Is Finnick enjoying the trappings maybe a little bit more than boba a little less concerned about the media threat not sitting there and participating in the long-term strategic planning of the situation in the way that boba is and really just wanting to eat does that get does that lead credence to your theory that we need to be concerned about fennec it could her loyalty it, de it i mean it definitely could we've seen fennec do you know actions and loyalty when it came to boba fett we've also seen that at least this episode she's been a little bit less engaged um, I agree. It also could just be, they already cooked the damn food. It's on the table. Let's eat it. It's already here. It is sunk costs. Yeah. If you put food in front of Spencer, he eats the food. Like, it would be impolite not to. Spencer eats the food. Damn it. Uh, I actually agree with you. I, I would be too. But Boba says, look, we need to respond. Everybody's watching me. That's true. And she says, look, he says, I need to send a message. And she's like, you already have. They sent Chrysanthemum to kill you. Not a small person, a known entity, reputation, big ass Wookiee, former gladiator, photo be one, the whole deal. And now he's in your dungeon. Like I say, you wait, let them show you their hand. Like let them show you what they need to do next. And he's like, no, 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 we need to do something. And then whoop, 88 comes in and says, hey, the twins are here. <laughs> what? They're, they're what? <laughs> yeah, they're here. These are traveling huts. These guys go everywhere. They don't, they're very, they're on a litter, but this is a litter that's got legs. So I will say this, um, it is very out of character for Huts to be traveling as much as the twins are. In the sun, Huts, too. Huts, Huts famously do not leave centralized areas. Like, this is where I was arguing with you and Jamie before on the on the last episode, where y'all were like, yeah, like the, the, the Huts were displaying so much power in showing up uh, in the, I guess, at the mayor's office on their litter and my point was i don't if i'm a hut i don't ever want to leave the house because they're so 
they're so um, vulnerable just because of how their species are. And I was with it in the moment because we talked about, you know, the prestige, the trappings, the, the symbolism associated with you arriving and everyone seeing there. That was an important bit of showmanship. This just seems unnecessary. Just send a dude to say you're leaving. Why are you, you yourself going right now? Also, why are you why are you using the litter to transport you through the desert? Like these guys had to walk him through the desert on a litter. Like, wouldn't you just like get on a train or get on a something big ass truck or something? Like, unbelievable the amount of manpower it takes to haul them through the desert to Jabba's palace. It, there were more efficient ways to do this, and I, I mean, th this could be the Bantha moment. This is the moment I travel by litter, I travel by people carrying it, and people need to understand that and see that as part of who I am. Could be. Could but be. Uh, this seemed, I mean, the fear, mere fact they're there just seems unnecessary, other than that the show wanted us to have them deliver the message. It seems like the show had already purchased the litter and the extras for the litter. And <laughs> they were like, let's just use, budget. let's just use that. When in reality, I don't think there's any way that they would have used the litter to traverse the Did, desert. Like that, have, that have is unrealistic a, to me. Have a droid with a hologram. Just you know, here they are. They're going to say bye now. <laughs> now I will say this. I didn't like the means of transportation. I love how they wrote the huts though, because the, whoever, like the, whoever wrote this scene, absolutely read the expanded universe and how the huts operated with people because the huts famously do not give a fuck they don't give a fuck and they will say and do things that will shock you like in in their temerity in their abruptness in their cruelty and in this their open open self-interest like this complete yeah. disregard for anything other than their right now what is bothering me and that is how they wrote this scene i thought it was really fascinating i'll go through the 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 scene itself so um the green one starts out by saying, look, I got to apologize. The pink one jumps in and says, we sent Chrysanthemum to kill you. <laughs> what? Just, this is what I'm talking about. The huts don't care. Like, hey, yeah. we sent him to kill you. Anyway, we're sorry about that. We brought you a gift. It's a Rancor. There's the Rancor. I wonder if this is the same Rancor we saw the huts purchase in Clone Wars. Because we saw the huts, very the possible. hut family, purchase a very small Rancor huh. in Clone Wars. And we know Dave Filoni very intimately involved in this project. Maybe this is the through storyline. Maybe that's the same Rancor. Um, and who is with the Rancor? <laughs> what a get. Danny Trejo. Just there. Like, okay. Wow. Sure. Yeah. What a get. I love that Star Wars is just like baller now. Like they just get people like that. That's so awesome. I like to think that it's just that there's a long laundry list of recognizable actors that are just quietly massive Star Wars fans and just want to get on the show. And if Danny Trejo is a huge Star Wars fan, I am with it. I, he, I don't know, perfect for the role. Yeah. I love everything he's ever done. Yeah. Um, and uh, Boba okay. says, well, look, you, Boba says, well, you need to leave. Mm -hmm. um, and the pink one says, we're going to do just that. The green one says, well, we were both lied to. This area is promised to another syndicate. Boba promised by who? And the pink one says, well, the spineless mayor, Mokshais. I like the pink one more than the green one. Just going to throw that out there. She makes me laugh. She is just cut to the heart of it. Has no time for anything. Yeah. Doesn't give a fuck. Uh, they say, look, we don't want war. It's bad for business. Boba brings out Chrysanthemum and says, well, here you go. I can have him. You can have him back. That's how great I am. Me, mm -hmm. Boba Fett, I'll give you your guy back. The huts go, I don't fucking want that guy. You can have him. Caught. That's just so funny. Like, I don't want him. Just keep him. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the things that Boba said originally is how surprised he was that these two did it. Because these two, in particular among the Huts, apparently just don't give a shit. They're like, 
nah, this didn't work. We're going home. We're going to laugh. They're the Roman Roy. Years. They're the Roman Roy of the Hutt family, yeah. I think. Because <laughs> they're just like, they're just oh, like, fuck it. I don't know. You keep the Wookiee. I don't I, give a fuck. I can now picture Roman, I now picture Roman just like with a giant little Pika thing that he just uses like a sponge to daub the sweat off him. I can see that now in the next season of Succession. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then, then slurping the, the fish that you have in the little bowl next to you at Absolutely. all times. Like, don't care. Like, they, they, it really made me laugh when they were like, we don't even want Chrysanthemum back. And no. Chrysanthemum's like, holy shit. Like, what is happening here? Uh, they leave. They say, we're going to get off this worthless rock. We we suggest you do the same. The Wookiees are tribute to you. Adios. We're back to Hutta. Good, goodbye. I mm-hmm. do think the twins are gone for good. I Which, believe that feels a shame uh, introducing Jabba's cousins into the show the twins they were interesting characters they had an interesting dynamic I would have preferred if they were the central focus kind of you know threat or villain as compared to the Pike Syndicate I'm just calling that out but it feels like the show's deciding okay characters that have recognizable connections other aspects of the canon all of you need to leave now other than Boba please thank you because they all kind of just exit now giant will yeah. be gone Hut cousins out of the way. Talking about other things now. Yeah, Boba says release him. Talking about Chrysanthemum. Uh, this is when the Huts are leaving, and he says, uh, "No hard feelings, it's just business. But take it from an ex bounty hunter. Don't work for Scug Holes. It's not worth it." So this is Boba pointing out, like, "Hey, you're not. We know all know you're not a gladiator anymore. You're basically like a man for hire. Watch out who you work for, because this time it got you in trouble. And I'm such a good guy. I'm letting you go. But in the future, it might be a problem. Chrysanthemum just takes off. He just flees." Yeah. Finnick, Finnick asked Boba if that was a good idea. And he says, well, it was either that or kill him. And Finnick asked Boba if he believes the huts are gone. And Boba's a little lukewarm on the idea that the huts are telling the truth and that they're truly gone. He says, they'd benefit by our enemies fighting each other. This is what you were referencing earlier. He says, you know, they'd benefit by, by me and Mokshay's fighting each other. Um, and Finnick seems impressed with the gift of the Rancor. That's at the end. She goes, ooh, quite a gift. It is quite a gift, the Rancor. Mm-hmm. Anything else on this scene? Well, I think I I like Boba's read on the situation is that yeah, the Huts are saying they're leaving. I have no basis right now to trust them. It would serve their interests if I immediately trust them and go, you know, with a fire behind my back directly for Mokshay's to kill him right now or find him. Let's hunt this down a little bit. We have absolutely no... It's fully in their interest for me to go off half-cocked right now. Let's go into this carefully. Uh, down in the Rancor pit... Boba asked Danny Trejo why the Rancor isn't moving. He says, it's because it's depressed. Boba seems surprised. He says, can these creatures feel such things? Like, Which is an interesting way to question that. He didn't say, can they feel sadness? He said, can he feel f- such emotions? Like, like yeah. depre- Like, but you can tell Boba's like, depression? Like, are you sure? And he's yeah. like, yes. Rancors are emotionally complex creatures. They are? Yeah. There you go. That's being introduced in this canon. I appreciate that. It does track with the expanded universe, but it also tracks with what we saw in Return of the Jedi because the Rancor Keeper obviously was very emotionally affected by the death of the Rancor when Luke Luke got him. Mm-hmm. Um, Boba is like, look, here's the deal. This is my Rancor. I'm going to be buddies him. with it. I'm going to be buddies with it. I'm going to ride it. And he guy's like, okay, we can make that work. It's going to be a lot of work. And Boba's like, that's cool. We can start right now. And he's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, let's do it. And he uh, he takes the, the goggles off the Rancor and Rancor's eyes open. And the first person it sees is Boba, which I think means they bonded together. It's kind of like a cat, like, you know, bonding. Like, he's but now bonded with uh, with Boba first is the idea. Sense. Is the idea he's going to be bonded with, with Boba. And uh, that's going to be interesting. Because if, if we see Boba ride a fucking Rancor out of the Jabba's Palace, that's going to be a really neat scene. 
Uh, yeah, that will be that will be a, a truly epic moment of visual right there if they can make that happen, which I think they pretty, pretty clearly telegraphed they're gonna. Yep, absolutely. Um, he says they became become very loving. Uh, Boba says I thought they were just bred to fight. He said they're well, they're powerful fighters, fighters, and so that's what most know. But they actually form strong bonds to their owners. It is said that the witches of Dothmir rode them through the forest and fens. Yeah, look at that, Spencer loving the lore. Um, Boba claims to have ridden beasts ten times the size of this. I don't know what that's a reference to. Do you know? I have no clue whatsoever. We, I don't think okay. we've ever seen. I don't. I don't think we've directly seen that in the canon. Yeah. Okay. Eighty-eight comes up, and basically Boba says, "Not now. I'm busy." And he's like, "Look, we are back from the mayor's office, and you're not going to be able to get in in the next twenty days. Like this is, you know, like this is like trying to, to, to like, you have a health problem. You need to see a specialist. <laughs> not for the next twenty days in America. You're not going to see. Like, you got a problem with your kidney? Kidney specialist? I'll see you in April." Um, he says, "Look, feed the rancor. Fuck this. I'm out of here. Mm. We're not going to wait. We're going right now. Finnick, let's ride." Let's gather the, the symbol of the horses. We are going We're going to attack. The very Power Rangers speeder bikes, in this case, that they're riding. Yeah, the multicolored. I don't know if that worked for everybody. Then we see Boba with Finnick and the speeder bike gang, Spencer's new favorite people, uh, show up to the mayor's office slash city hall, whatever that is. He comes in, and our guy, the Twi'lek, says the mayor Mokshi's schedule is a bit complicated. It's, uh, it's difficult. Not really available right now. Finnick, if you want to continue breathing... I encourage you to weigh your next words carefully. Actually, I may be able to arrange some things. Uh, let me just go in here for a uh, second. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. Um, and he leaves. And Boba tells Finnick that was a little heavy-handed, and he sees that he locked the door. Finnick then whoop, breaks into it with like a screwdriver-type deal. Like she's MacGyvering it. little fucking Swiss Army knife with sass who will kill people in hand-to-hand -hand combat. That's what she's our awesome. Finnick is. Um, then we see the mayor's aide taking off and Finnick tells the speederback gang to go get him. So they do. And the chase proceeds. Anything about that scene that I just talked about up till were, now? Were you disappointed that the front desk clerk didn't get any lines? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Again with this, you didn't make a schedule. We talked about this last time. Missed opportunity. I mean, it's a fun, it's a, fine enough scene it's 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 conveying that they need to get there they <laughs> get there and then the major domo makes a run for it then we see a big chase scene uh that's just a chase through the city streets um not everybody loved this scene with spencer I, what were your what was your thoughts on it i did not love this scene for one okay thing, why for one thing they are just racing at speeds of three through the streets this is a very slow speed chase and that just could have filmed better i think in terms of adding a little bit more tension to it otherwise it it's very by the numbers. It, it's very just, we have a chase scene now. I've seen these chase scenes in Hollywood since the 1920s. It felt kind of lame, honestly. Uh, the, I, I, I think they can do things with this bunch of misfits, cyberpunk gang that they've got. This chase scene was not a great use of them. It came across as not particularly energetic, not particularly exciting, and just a bit of a six-minute time waster in the middle, at the end of this episode. Okay, so here are the things that we... So... I don't necessarily disagree with you, but here are the things that we did get from the scene. We got a protocol droid that looked like C-3PO, potential nostalgic moment of the episode. That was pretty cool. We saw the biker gang's actual commitment to Boba and how hard they're willing to work, right? Because they are willing to literally climb, like fly their bikes up on the corner of the fucking like walls or uh, walls of uh, buildings and come back down and like jump on him. And like they, they were doing 
they were very much putting their own personal body at risk in service of Boba. And we got that in spades in this. So you, hopefully we don't question their loyalties going forward. We know that they're, they're loyal servants to Boba. We saw the droid parts the their droid parts fought which i thought was pretty cool like bo you know the, the guy was talking about how they're like half droid well the guy has like clearly the, ex, the extending foot which i thought was pretty neat little, and they were using that torch he was bringing up yeah they were using that we also saw um the guy who works for the mayor his concern for the citizens right in spades because he's he was willing well he was dodging the citizens but he also clearly viewed he wasn't like there was there was not a level of concern for what he was destroying. Like he was willing to sure. just knock over water barrels and destroy people's like like fundamental way of commerce, right? Selling fruit or whatever it was. So I felt like we saw the the power that that guy feels like he has when he's what well, you know like that that's kind of important, right? Because it yeah. shows Mach Machay's place in Mosespa, if that guy thinks he can with impunity run over and knock down barrels of water and not give a fuck just because he doesn't want to deal with Boba, that shows where that guy thinks he is in the pecking order. So that's something communicated to the audience too. So is it the best chase scene I've ever seen? Absolutely not. It's one of the weaker ones we've seen in Mandalorian slash Boba Fett, but I do think there are some things we can pull from it. I can say that a lot. I think we can say that about a lot of things this episode of where what they actually showed us not great, but there's things that they gave us and there's things they can do with it that will work. Like the gang, I think the gang has, has some potential. I think they're a, a useful enough, interesting addition to uh, Boba's group. My biggest problem, honestly, is their visual aesthetic. I think the, uh, the speeder bikes did not work for me. Those giant, bright, very vibranty color speeder bikes just feel so out of place in the worn industrial universe of Star Wars. Yeah, and I agree. The very, How did they get the paint to be that shiny in most Espa? Fucking Tatooine, yeah. Isn't the sand just constantly gray? Not clear. All? And then all the cybernetics, that really feels more science fiction than science fantasy to see those kind of things out. What we've seen of cybernetics before in the Star Wars universe are more limited, yeah. more kind of more... We've seen them before in various ways, but these giant eyepieces they're putting on, it just didn't work for me as a visual aesthetic kind of thing. It, it absolutely but i mean we know that these things exist luke has the hand Darth, Darth Vader's exists by it it would it would track that like people would pay to like have like one of those hands that actually does something more than your normal i think mean, it, it kind of, it makes sense in that universe to me I, I don't know i mean i understand what you're saying that like an intense focus on it it feels a little bit more science fiction than fantasy but it does track with what we know about that world we have seen those kind we've seen those kind of enhancements but they've been very explicitly in cases of this is a medical need we haven't seen as much in the way of voluntary which is definitely drawing cyberpunk influences and it, it yeah. kind of rub, just rubbed me the wrong way Okay. Um, then we see Boba fly in. Here's a complaint the internet had is that if Boba can just fly around on his jetpack, why didn't Boba just go get him? And the answer to that is that he didn't want to. Okay. Got it? Fair Thanks. Yes. That's the obvious answer here is yeah. that Boba didn't want to. Like he didn't want to put himself at risk flying around using all his jetpack fuel. Like, hey, this is what you were employed to do. Go do it. I saw a lot of internet complaints on that one. I have I have no problem with Boba showing up at the end there. It's like that's what you use minions for. They go do the yeah. they go do the hard work in terms of making him crash. Then I show. Yeah, I, like the same people are complaining that he's not crime bossy enough, and then they complain that like he like didn't like first person go out. Like of course he didn't. He's the fucking boss. Um, he finally the the guy who works for the mayor finally just says fuck it. You know what? I don't care. He's with the Pikes. Mayor's gone. He's working with the Pikes. Can I please get away from you people? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is really... <laughs> 
I need a hot bath and a platter of fruit. Get this man a hot um, Cut to a big transport coming into Mos Espa and a hell of a lot of pikes get off of that son bitch. Mm-hmm. Our guy with the eye sees it, leaves, does a hologram call with Boba to report in. This is the same hologram call the Huts could have done, by the way. You could have saved Absolutely. all that money on CGI and it could have been more realistic. Um, during this, Finnick says uh, they arrived on the Starliner. I thought that line was very interesting. I wanted to pull that line out and talk about it with you, Spencer. Finnick says they arrived on the Starliner. Mm-hmm. What that communicates to me is that they are both very aware of what's going in and out of Moses, but like they knew a Starliner was coming in. She said that like it was like a known thing with Boba. Like, hey, they're coming in on the Starliner. If she can, if she knows that, that means they're tracking everything going in and out. Yeah, it, it, it was an interesting line because you said it really implies a lot of baseline knowledge. It's either suggesting that, like you said, they are just imminently aware of each ship that is landing in any given moment, which would make perfect sense. I would strongly yeah. advise them to do so. Or that there's a kind of like a regular starliner that arrives at a given date at a given time as per like the connection with the outside universe. Either way, they're very much aware of it. They're very much keeping track of it in a way that you would expect them to do. Yeah. Um, Fennec, uh, these are the first transports. uh, We'll see. Basically implying there will be more. They're going to war. Boba, then we will be ready. End of episode. End of the recap. Spencer, um, we've gone through the recap. We've hashed out some particular plot points. Um, talk to me a little bit about why you didn't like this episode as much. Uh, it, part of it is just, and this is honestly surprising for Robert Rodriguez, it did not do action very well. The, mo- most of the action scenes that occurred in this episode were decidedly lackluster compared to the ones they've done previously. The fight with the giant Wookiee, as you've noted, the blocking was not well done and it made the Wookiee look lame, which is the last thing you ever want when you introduce a Wookiee into the middle of your show. 100% agree. The chase scene could have been handled so much better in just so such easy ways. If you just upped the pace of the chase scene, that would have felt uh, made it much more exciting. It felt very budget. It's like they blew a lot of their budget on the last episode, and this episode they had to work on about half the same resources to make it work. Um, and then it said there are aspects might be of the, true. There's aspects of the plotting of where they can work out later. Like if there's some degree of repercussion from Boba Fett screwing over his vassals to you know back up the average person in the gang. I would appreciate that even as much as I want Boba Fett to succeed, just because it would feel more realistic. If, well, I... Do I you want him to succeed? I, yeah, I want Boba Fett to succeed. I like him as a character. But as much as it's not the Boba Fett I fell in love with back in the Legends universe, it's still an interesting character, and the actor does great with it. I don't want him to fail. I just want him to have repercussions from things that would realistically have repercussions, and then he has to overcome those. I don't want this to be... Because it doesn't really sound like you're rooting for him as we go through this thing. I, I have many things to criticize, but it's because I love. It's so okay. good for every show that I do. Uh, also, I thought the the exit of the Tuscans felt like a waste of what has been an interesting character development and interesting culture development that we've seen with them. It, them ultimately being used as nothing more than a motivation for the character and a driving force of the plot in that way feels like a disservice to everything we've invested into them previously and how much and how successfully Mandalorian and the Book of Feb have given us a new perspective and a expanded, greatly expanded universe when it came to the Tuscan people. Yeah, it does feel like that the 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 quote the natives were only in service of our like protagonist, yeah. and then when he they literally discarded of them when they were done, yeah. like literally killed them all, threw like, them into the fire. Ah, ah, that's tough. Um, not my favorite episode, but a lot to like. And I explained my dynamic when we started on this pod. It's a, it's hard for me when I'm talking to people who I feel like 
never get super excited. I'm not, I'm not, I'm actually not talking about you right now. Like people who never, true, get, never get super excited for Star Wars and then want to say, well, this doesn't live up to the other stuff. And I'm like, well, you weren't excited about the other stuff, right? Like well, I only really want to hear that from people who, when it, there is a good episode, geek out and get super excited like well, me. Let, this wasn't a terrible episode though. There was no. a lot of stuff there. And especially when you get in the nostalgic moment of the episode, it is clear to me that the people writing this are so locked into the Star Wars universe. They get the details pretty much right. Um, I, I just love how they write it. It, 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 it feels like people who are absolutely as immersed in the Star True. Wars universe as you need to be to write Star Wars. And that could be a complaint about maybe episode uh, eight and nine, right? Of the people who wrote that may not have, been, or especially episode eight, Ryan Johnson, yeah. may not have been as clued in to the specific, you may not see a Bomar monk just walking around, right? <laughs> Stuff like that. Stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I, um, I, I think go ahead. I'm going to recommend that we go in a different order then. I feel like we need to bolster, bolster ourselves up. We've been ragging on this episode a bit. Can we do a nostalgic moment of the episode before we even do a quote? Just nostalgic a moment of the episode. Let's do it. I have already nominated the Bomar Monk. Bomar Monk which was, was a great really, call. Really, really cool. Which I, I recognized it, but thank you for reminding me of the name. I would not have been able to summon that name out of anywhere. I, I'm going to go with an obvious one. It's uh, It probably, I think, is the clearest nostalgic moment of the episode. Um, we mentioned another one after, though. The Rancor. Seeing a Rancor show up, seeing a Rancor trainer, seeing a Rancor in the Rancor pit, it's straight up delightful nostalgia. And the potential that they're offering us of Boba Fett riding this thing around like a trained animal is going to be glorious when that comes to to fruition. Yeah, because I feel like there's going to be a big attack on Jabba's palace and he's going to bust out riding the Rancor and kill everybody. Isn't that going to be great? Yes, absolutely. I love the reference to the Aqualish. If you have, if you don't yeah. know what the Aqualish are, they're the, the the species that have like the sort of big tusk that look like come down over their chin. Uh, we see them a lot in Star Wars universe. We've seen them a lot in Mandalorian. So the reference to the the Aqualish, I thought was really cool. A uh, big one for me, just because I love it from the uh, old the old expanded universe, the Witches of Dathomir. I, I liked Woo! those books where they show up. I thought that I thought they were a very interesting addition to the Star Wars universe of where people that viewed the Force as magic wielding because they've been isolated. They were originally their culture was built on an exiled Jedi, and who very set down their own twisted version of the Jedi code to inspire their what they understood their magical powers that they were wielding on the planet. And then seeing Luke, Han, Leia, and everybody else show up and interact with them, I, I enjoyed that in the, uh, the 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 old Legends expanded universe. <laughs> yeah, seeing, mages who can use chaos, but chaos has to be pulled from uh, some other energy. Oh, sorry, getting into the Witcher. Yeah, you're too many fantasy universes in your head right now. <laughs> whoop, whoop, but, whoop. Them, yeah, the, the famous visual of them riding around Rancor as part of their abilities and they're using their magical powers as part of influencing them was a great visual in the Star Wars universe. So having them just casually name-dropped here associated with the Rancors, loved that. Loved the protocol droid uh, that was that was flustered. Uh, a flustered protocol droid always does my heart well. Uh, and final one for me, just seeing the, the, the Bith couple that look like they're on just a, ni- a nice little ride yeah. through the town being drugged by a droid, that just tickled me. Uh, final one for me, uh, just the passing by Jawas who are just for no reason angry, like just sitting, just sitting there yelling at each other. That's the job that every Jawa I know right now in headcanon is yelling at each other. I, I, I enjoyed when Boba Fett showed up to ask for directions from the Jawas and they interrupt their argument just long enough to give them the directions and then go right back to arguing. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, obviously the nostalgic moment of the episode has to be the Rancor, right? I don't think we can. It's got, yeah. 
It, it, it's the yeah. obvious pick. It, I mean, the, Ran- the introduction of the Rancor in Return of the Jedi was such a shock when it shows up that it just stuck in everybody's mind since. And so I think every little bit of Star Wars media has diligently worked to try to find a way to get a Rancor in there just to capture a bit of that magic. And I thought this did it pretty well in terms of how they introduced it. And, you know, having Danny Trejo beat the trainer does not hurt that process. Yeah, honorable mention for me, Bomar Monk. But yeah, definitely the, the Rancor wins. Nostalgic moment of the episode this week, and I think we're going to get more Rancor. I really do. Mm-hmm. Let's go into best line of the episode. Some pretty good lines here. What, what, what do you got? Well, it's a, sh- it's a shorter episode than the last, but I felt like we had even more dialogue, though, than the last episode, even though it's like did. Six, 16 minutes less content. I like the sassy biker gang girl who says, there is no work, Mighty Daimyo. Look around you. Like, w- Mighty Daimyo, like when she says that, yeah. like that fucking hilarious to me yeah apparently she's a recognized actress in the uh, the mcu the marvel expanded universe um, um thought i recognized her we, we get a little bit out of her we get a little bit of the, the guy with the eyepiece the other ones are kind of non-entities now but those two at least have some potential um i again i'll just do the witches of dathomir line it is said that the witches of dathomir even rode them through the forest and the fens thank you danny trejo yes they did rancor emotionally complex creatures i liked that I like that that's sort of like throwing it out there for us uh, um yep go ahead Phoenix line. If you wish to continue breathing, I advise you to weigh your next words carefully. It's we've heard we've heard it many times before, but it's still a badass line. Yeah, and then we end on uh, they're going to war, Boba. Then we'll be ready. Which it was a kind of a lame. It, it was it wasn't lame. It was by the numbers, but it's a necessary plot point kind of line. Yep, absolutely. Then we get the actual line of the episode. You ready for it, Spencer? I'm presuming it's not one we picked. What is it? It's not. Best line of the episode, chapter three, Boba. No hard feelings. It's just business. Take it from an ex-bounty hunter. Don't work for scug holes. It's not worth it. That was Why did I like that? Why did I like that? Encompassing Boba's leadership strategy, how he how he deals with people, how he talks to people. Um, for better or worse, this is the, this is this is how Boba operates. Mm-hmm. It may get him killed. But it is how he's going to govern. And, it, you know, he had no reason to kill Black Chrysanthemum there. Black Chrysanthemum was just doing his job. Boba recognized that. He sent him along his way. Will that come back to bite him? I don't know. I, su- I we'll suspect see. not. I, I, I don't think so with Black Chrysanthemum. I don't think we'll see him again in this in this series. If no other reason, the Huts abandoned him too. If you gave him just right back to the Huts without any degree of repercussion, that might be an issue. They might send him again if you're looking for a grudge. But he's lost his employer too in the process. Absolutely. Okay, let's do it. Let's descend down into the gladiatorial pit with our imperial robes on. Let's look into the crowd. Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways. Is this episode better, worse, or about the same quality as a standard Mandalorian episode? We got a what from Spencer? We had a thumbs down, I'm afraid. I think this would be in the bottom of, if you want to view this as a combined series, really, I think it'd be in the bottom three. This was a pretty weak episode. Still wasn't bad television, still was enjoyable and had its moments, but this felt like a, oh, uh, we're working under half budget and working under time commitments. Let's just, let's get out what we need to to get to, to, get to our next point. I'm going to give it a thumbs down too. It's a, it's a close one um, because I do think there are worse episodes of Mandalorian, but it is, it would be in the bottom third of episodes for me of Mandalorian, not bottom three, but the bottom like third episodes uh, group of thirds. Um, Yeah. I mean, there's some strength. There's some things in it that are good. I think people have a tendency, especially when you love something a lot to be really critical and not find, like not see what you can pull out. Like an example is like that, that um, speeder bike chase, right? You know, I, I tried to say, like, I tried to do something I hope that our audience can do, which is 
Is this scene particularly strong? No, I think we can all agree on that. But are there things you can pull out from it that you can be entertained by that can help set up the story later on? Of course there are. So try to pull what you can get from things. If you do that, I think you'll have a more enjoyable viewing experience, which is what I did. And I did not hate the episode, but I will absolutely admit it's not up to the quality of a standard Mandalorian episode. Thumbs down for me. It leaves us an interesting place going through the next episode. I feel like we, we, you and I have been debating what was going to be the central, you know, like tension. What was going to be the outside threat? From the last episode, we thought it was going to be the Huts. They'd showed up. They made a dramatic entrance. It felt like appropriate that, you know, Jabba's cousins would be stepping in to fill that void to be Mando's nemesis on the, in terms of his efforts. Now it seems like it's going to be the Pike Syndicate, which if they go the route I'm thinking where they tie that back to, you know, the killing off of the, of the Tuscan people that Boba was friends with, it establishes even a connection between histories for why he'd be resentful of them. So that can work. That could sell. Um, they're not as well established in my mind as being, you know, they're not as much of a feature in the Star Wars universe as some of these other ones could have been, but I think it could still fit itself in within the plot they've given us so far as this show as being our ultimate enemies for Boba to overcome. Yep, I agree. Um, I, I anticipate an upswing. I think the next step, a couple episodes are going to be really good because they did a lot of setup in this episode. They did. Yes, it's going to end up being a battle with the Pikes. Okay, got it. Um, I do think the twins are gone. If for no other reason than they blew out the CGI budget for fucking huts. Like they're not going to have them on a fucking litter every single episode. Mm -hmm. So they're probably gone. But I do like the setup that occurred in this episode. I like the, I, I think the conversation that we're having about Boba's leadership style is the exact conversation the people who wrote this show want us to have. They want us to argue about it. Was it a good move telling the vassal to fuck off and basically empowering the people who stole from him? Is that a good move or not? I mean, you know, we can argue about that. I think they want you to argue about it. And in that respect, I think the show is succeeding. And I think it's a good call. I think it's a good call to point that out because the show has even shown that that argument is happening in universe too. It's not purely just yeah. happening between us and the fandom. It's happening between Boba and Fennec. It's happening between Boba and his droid. It's happening with Boba and his vassals about yep. a lot of these people are saying, you are not acting as we believe a crime Lord should. Will Boba's alternative philosophy work on this or is he pushing it too far? Watch the next episode to find out. Absolutely. And we will be back with you next episode. We typically record these on Saturday. So you'll get the new Boba Fett episode on Wednesday morning. And by Saturday midday or so, you're going to get Mangum Talk Star Wars reviewing it. This is a podcast feed where we will continue to follow all Star Wars content, right? So like after this, I think we're going to get Obi-Wan next. Spencer's already said he thinks Obi-Wan's going to be trash. He's not excited about it at all. But we're going to review it anyway. We're going to be super excited about it. We can't I wait. I have concerns. I'm allowed to have concerns. He says it sucks. He can't. He, but I'm going to make him review it every single episode. So please subscribe and rate and review this podcast feed. Um, it is really hard to break through in the Star Wars search results. Shocker. Uh, a lot of people doing Star Wars pods. So if you like this pod, you're enjoying what we do, please rate us and review us because that will move us up through the search rankings. And we'll get a bigger audience. The more people who join and listen, the more fun we can have all enjoying this together. So thank you very much for joining us here on Mega Talk Star Wars. We will be back with you next week for the next chapter of Book of Boba Fett. Until then, I hope everybody has a great day. See ya.